Welcome to Brainstorium. I'm Anna Tissard, award-winning dream punk and deeply weird fantasy author. And yes, that's me and my fiction that's deeply weird. Explore and imagine with me the most unexpected story ideas using the surrealist word game of Exquisite Corpse. Find out more and join in at anatizard.com. This is a storytelling challenge unlike anything you've tried before. Hello imaginative people, I'm Anna Tizard and this is episode 40 of Brainstorium. Once again, in today's show, I have some in-depth story brainstorms for you, taking the word game of Exquisite Corpse to extremes. I'll pick words at random from the Socks of Destiny, make sentences from the results and use those to go on a very weird storytelling journey three times over. I will also once again make liberal use of the pause button, pen in hand, to really test how far I can take these ideas. This really is the best exercise I've ever found for my writer's imagination, and it gives me story ideas I never would have dreamt up on my own. Hopefully, it will do the same for you as well. This is the Halloween special, but I'm calling it that rather tentatively at this point because I don't know what's going to come up in the story word games. Um, It all depends on the words you have sent me at anatizard.com. But the last show was pretty ghoulish and I have a feeling. I also really wanted to see what the Brainstorium logo looks like with a big moon behind it in place of the usual yellow circles. But before we get going, I must tell you about my new book, which is out on 5th of November. Remember, remember, and it's available for pre-order at last. Here's the book's description on the back cover. 13 rounds of a word game, 10 magical tales. Immerse yourself in these deep, wildly imagined stories first brainstormed on the Storycraft podcast, Brainstorium. Enter a world of shape-shifting ghosts, telepathic goblins, a cat demon, a time loop, illegal magic, and an alchemist on the run. These adventures are laced with themes of truth, darkness, choices, and change. They feature numerous portals and several immortals. Portals and Immortals is the third release from the Book of Exquisite Corpse, a collection of stories inspired by the surrealist word game of the same name. This is the series' first anthology of short fiction, showcasing the sheer scope of ideas made possible by mixing randomness with pure imagination. And I'll just point out here that the books in the series can be read in any order because the stories themselves are standalone. What connects them is their source of inspiration, the word game of Exquisite Corpse that I play on this show. And in fact, if you haven't read any of my books yet, Portals and Immortals is a great place to start because it's a collection of stories. So it means you get a taster of my writing style 
but with lots of different plots and ideas thrown in. Now, I want to announce the top contributors of words that created those 13 special exquisite corpses that inspired the stories in the book, because my extra special thanks must go to them for making the book possible. They are at the top. Fraser Armitage, the sci-fi writer, submitted seven word entries, which became part of the exquisite corpses I used. Next, this is starting to feel like Top of the Pops, <laughs> uh, Mariah, who writes fantasy as M.L. White, sent six words. Neck and neck with Mariah, or potentially neck and neck with Mariah, is Anonymous, who also contributed six word entries. But how will we ever know if it's the same person? There might be two, three or, or more people, I suppose, sending me words anonymously. So that's a maybe joint second place. But thank you to all the anonymouses out there. Next at third place, close third place, is Paul Thomas with five word entries. Alessandro Bozzo, a children's author who actually inspired me to start this podcast, gave four words. Paul Benfield and Andy both sent three each. I like to give the top contributors of words uh, a signed copy um, of the paperback of a book that they helped to inspire as far as practically possible. Or if they prefer, or if it's more practical, I arrange to send them the ebook instead. So those are all on their way to the top contributors, except anonymous, who shall remain anonymous. Other contributors who sent one or two words each must be thanked too. Um, T.F. Burke, The Poet's Goblin, Tess underscore 2020, Simon L, Denison underscore Elena, Cat with a double T, Tracy, also known as Magna Carta 1967, Margaret Homersham, Tom, Captain Random 10, Joseph Clark, Michael Clayton, Athena with a capital A at the end, and Yashal underscore Chisti. Thank you everyone for making these story ideas possible and keep sending those words. And if you haven't done so before, give it a go. It's a lot of fun and you can inspire entire books. Just going back to the blurb before we move on, you might have noticed that I said 13 exquisite corpses, but 10 short stories. This is because most of the stories were inspired by one exquisite corpse each, but there were three stories that were inspired by two game results each. I pulled two writing prompts together to shape the idea for, for each of those three stories, if that makes sense. Anyway, the quickest and easiest way to find the book and to admire the beautiful cover that my designer, Emily, has made for it. And it is absolutely stunning. You've got to go and have a look. Uh, go to anatizar.com and click on the tab for the Book of Exquisite Corpse. Links to the various bookstores are from there, or you can just sit there and be hypnotized by the cover for a while, if you like. Now, time to get on with some new story ideas. Bring forth 
the socks of destiny. Right, let's give this a go. Oh, and I should mention, for those who haven't listened before, Exquisite Corpse creates a bizarre sentence by mashing together words randomly, but in a a particular sentence structure, so it at least makes grammatical sense. So it's the describing word noun, action, describing word noun. So I'm just going to reach into describing word sock and find the first word which is from Alessandro Bozzo, preposterous. Okay, let's grab a noun and see what was preposterous. This is from Ebenezer, wildebeest. (laughs) Okay. Right, let's have a look for an action. And we have... This is from Paul Benfield. Emerged from the hole in the ground to find. (laughs) Okay, some wildlife going on here today. And next describing word is from Judah Mahay. Etched. Hmm. Okay, let's try for a noun. Final word which is from Anonymous, good old Anonymous, speech pathologist. Okay, we have an interesting one here. Um, Right, I'm just going to read the whole thing and just go for it. So altogether we have the preposterous wildebeest emerged from a hole in the ground to find the etched speech pathologist. (laughs) Okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm always up for a challenge, so let's have a think about this. In fact, maybe I'll just pour some green tea first because, you know, that's probably necessary at this stage. Just going to stir that. Okay, and let the inspiration begin. Um, Right, what do we have here? So, wildebeest. They have funny beards, don't they? Sort of tufty and uneven. It It makes me think of a man who hasn't shaved in a long time, emerging from a hole in the ground. Please don't tell me this is a zombie story. (laughs) But it it could be, if that's what you like to write, you could try it and see where it takes you. This is the Halloween special, but I've never written as, you know, zombie stories before. I I wouldn't know where to start because I don't read them. So I don't know the general expectations that readers would have and what they would want. For me, for my imagination to get going with this idea, it has to be weirder than that, more unexpected, preposterous. I suppose the idea of an unshaven man climbing out of a hole in the ground might be seen as preposterous. I think even though preposterous means 
absurd or ridiculous. It always feels like an opinionated word to me. It's flavoured by the idea that something is socially unacceptable in some way or outrageous. It's quite old fashioned, so it's tied up in, in my mind with old fashioned values. But does that help us here? The preposterous wildebeest emerged from the hole in the ground to find the etched speech pathologist. A speech pathologist is someone who helps some, you know, people who have speech impediments or difficulty speaking. But the fact that they are etched makes me think this is something to do with a comic. Etched words. Maybe a man falls unconscious. He collapses and falls down a hole, a ditch. And he subsists there, just quietly breathing, oblivious to his surroundings. Over time, his hair grows shaggy. His beard sprouts unevenly in tufts. His nails grow, becoming clawed. Why doesn't he wake up? Why doesn't he die of thirst or starvation if he's stuck in this coma in a hole in the ground without a hospital drip or something to keep him alive? But one day he wakes. He has to, otherwise we don't have a story here. He staggers from the ditch, clawing his way up the slope, mud under his nails, on his clothes and shaggy hair. He was dreaming of a life in front of a computer, a desk in a house in the suburbs, a wife and one child, another on the way. Was that life real? Where is he now? This is like no forest he's ever seen. His local park doesn't have this number of trees. They grow together densely, like thieves conspiring. He glances up. The trees are so tall, the movement makes him dizzy. The sky is just a watercolour blur, or maybe his eyes can't cope with the light. He stumbles onto his knees, shaking, weak with hunger and thirst. Peering at the soil under his hands, blinking hard. Is there something wrong with his vision? Not wanting to get mud in his eyes, he rubs a clean patch of his sleeve over his face and stares again. The ground flickers in tiny, teeming striations. Little matchstick lines, shivering as if they each jostled for attention. At first he thinks, worms? But close up, he sees the many swipes of a pencil filled in with paint. The room with the computer jumps into his mind again. He remembers what he does for a living, what he did. An illustrator for a comic book series, working online with a team of authors and other artists. He's drawn and painted countless landscapes and other backgrounds just like this, rough penciled sketches at first. But this doesn't make sense, what he's thinking as he stares around at these scribbled trees, these ink-dabbed leaves. Where am I? he shouts. The words appear etched in the air in a jagged-edged font, encircled by a speech bubble. He is trapped inside one of his comic strips. <laughs> 
So what happens next? This is a very weird idea. Does it have legs? It all depends on the story world our illustrator has created or co-created. Let's hope he doesn't write a zombie comic or some other book of horrors. This has a lot of possibilities. I shall think on it and see if it leads me anywhere. I think it's time for our second exquisite corpse. Okay, a new word from the Describing Word Sock. This is from Alessandro Bozzo again, picking up the first word. Repetitive. Okay. Let's look for a noun. And we have, this is from Nile. Caterpillar. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to judge. I'm just going to pick a an action and let's see what this gives us this is from anonymous summoned evil spirits with okay now it's starting to get halloween let's get another describing word this is from sophie longley enraged Hmm. and our final noun is from Sophie Longley again. Okay, two for the price of one. Shop assistant. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm going to read the whole thing. Let's just see. The repetitive caterpillar summoned evil spirits with the enraged shop assistant. Okay. Um. Well, the caterpillar in Alice in Wonderland is is quite repetitive. He keeps asking Alice, who are you? Is there something existential going on here? In Wonderland, he's quite an uncomfortable character to be around, the way he persists. He's quite pushy. The shop assistant. There could be any reason why a shop assistant might be enraged. But her job is making me think that someone stole something and got away with it or has come in and threatened her in the shop or she's been threatened by a giant caterpillar throwing existential questions at her <laughs> maybe not i think the last one was uber weird so let's try and start at least start with some realism even if magic should come along and upset things a little bit the way it tends to do Curious that the repetitive caterpillar summoned evil spirits with the enraged shop assistant. I'm honing on in on the word with for some reason, because there are two possible interpretations of the word with. Forget the rest, <laughs> all the other weird words and phrases. Because with could mean that the caterpillar and the shop assistant are working together to summon evil spirits. But then with can also mean you're using someone or something to do that thing. You know, if if instead of an enraged shop assistant, um, if we had an ancient wand, then no doubt we'd straight away be thinking of this 
tool-like use of with in the repetitive caterpillar summoned evil spirits with. But we could still use this version of with if a strange gentleman, this caterpillar-like fellow, uses the shop assistant's rage to summon evil spirits. That, for some reason, is grabbing my imagination. Repetitive because he keeps coming back to stoke the fire of her anger. He knows there's power in it, power they can both wield. The bell above the door jangled. From behind the counter, Clarice tensed before she even looked up from her book. There it was, that awkward shuffling walk again. It was him tapping his cane on the floor to get her attention. She stood up. Back again, was all she said. She bit her tongue against the rest. What it cost her not to say something sharp her, like you again? Those beady eyes of his, lost in a hundred creases, gave a mirthless smile. Four times since I last came in, he said, his wizened voice evaporating into the shop. He paused, took a drag of his vaping pipe and let go a cloud of rainforest green. Clarice wrinkled her nose at the minty scent, glancing over at the shelves of teapots, cups, mugs and other tea paraphernalia she sold. Four times, he began again, have the fire brigade been called out. Your neighbours, the council, want to know what you're up to. Clarice shook her head vigorously. Nothing, just the usual. These smoke alarms are way too sensitive. I burnt the toast a couple of times, that's all. She tilted her head towards the kitchenette at the back, although she might have been referring to the narrow staircase behind that door that led to her flat upstairs. Who cares anyway? What's that got to do with developers? She practically spat the word, wanting to tear down these shops and homes to build another massive block of flats. Our homes, our livelihoods mean nothing to the likes of you. The conviction faded from her voice. The man she'd come to think of as the caterpillar for his weird, leaf-patterned cane, his rude, persistent manner of questioning her, and his pipe that was so big it might have been the end of a hookah, took another puff. His quizzical expression was momentarily lost in a mint haze. I see you've disconnected your own smoke alarm, he said, with a tiny nod towards the hallway behind her. Clarice froze. She hadn't expected him to be able to see that. The alarm on the ceiling with its lid hanging off after she'd wrestled out the batteries. He continued, like I said before, I'm not like the rest. He leaned on the counter, his bushy eyebrows prickling close to his hairline. And it's time for you to admit you're not like the rest either. Eyes wide, Clarice glanced around her. Smoke was rising from her arms, from her very skin. He'd said it to her before, that her fury was a power they could wield. But she never believed him. Of course she didn't. It was ridiculous, as fantastical as suggesting that he was really a giant caterpillar. And yet, here she was, her body smoking. Four times the fire brigade had searched the premises, 
snatching baffled glances at each other, unable to find the source of smoke that had set off the alarms. The man pointed his pipe at her. It's your anger. I know, she growled back, then flinched at the certainty of her own answer. We don't have to fight this alone, you know, he said. We can put all this to good use. We can summon help. Then what? Whatever his motivation and true intention, the repetitive caterpillar will summon evil spirits with the enraged shop assistant. Ah, actually, I have been following this idea through as if Chloe's were the shop owner and resident of the premises as well. Oh well, she works in a shop. That'll do. But how could they use her rage to summon evil spirits? I guess that's the puzzle of, the, of this story, if you're to write it. If you try writing it and you find out, let me know. Drop me a line at anatizard.com. I always like to hear of your creative exploits. And if you get yourself published, I can give you a shout out. I think it's time for a third and final exquisite corpse for today. Okay. Let's get these socks of destiny going. Let's see what this brings up. So we have the first word is from anonymous and it is yellow. Okay, let's see the next word. Our first noun is from Judah Mahay, Skydra, <laughs> a flying hydra in brackets. Okay, so I did look this up and I made a scribbly note just around the edge of this for when it, whenever it came up. So a hydra is a Greek myth, in case you don't know, uh, a many a uh, many-headed snake. Um, yeah, but this is a Skydra, a flying Hydra. Okay, so we're working with some myth mythological creatures now that have been enhanced by listeners' imaginations already. The next word, well, the phrase from the action sock is from Alessandro Bozzo. Shuddered at the thought of... Ooh, this must be a scary thing indeed that makes a yellow skydra shudder. Uh, next word, a describing word, is from Nile. Loquacious. <laughs> okay. Mm. And then the final word is from Paul Thomas. Moonlight. <laughs> Oh, okay. I like the idea of talkative moonlight. That's interesting. Okay, and I'm just going to read the entire exquisite corpse as one. The yellow skydra, or flying hydra, shuddered at the thought of the loquacious moonlight. Loquacious moonlight. Pale shapes unfurl in the night air. Are they words? Words made of moonlight. Terrifying words, because even 
a multi-headed monster shudders at the mere thought of them. What is this about? This is kind of similar to the first exquisite corpse with the etched words and the man trapped inside the comic book. That's quite strange. But for some reason, I'm still thinking about the caterpillar man in the last story, maybe because of the minty steam from his vape pipe. Not quite words that form themselves in the air. But even so, maybe it's because in the cartoon of Alice in Wonderland, the caterpillar uses his hookah to breathe out words in the coloured steam. So I must be thinking of that. Imagine what those green clouds would look like if they formed words and were highlighted by moonlight. Or what am I thinking? Are these moonlit words more to do with the smoke coming off Clarice? Her fury that rises off her in smoky tendrils. And the yellow skydra shudders at the thought of the words in the smoke. The yellow skydra is the evil spirit summoned by them both to do something that will overturn the property developer's decision to force the buyout and the demolition of these old shops. But what would such an evil spirit do to achieve that? How? I definitely need the pause button for this. The Skydra hissed. The darkness of his cave, usually protective, homely, echoed with his discomfort. Words, words pulled at him from the embers of his mind. Whispers left trails of light around the edges of his cave. At first he thought it was just the moonlight catching on the glittering minerals, the monster's favourite scratching posts. Then the smoke began to arrive in little wisps. It wasn't the first time that humans had tried to smoke him out of his lair. Fools, idiots, believing the tales of their own bravery, daring to face him, the Skydra, ruler of the sky itself, the very air. Those ground-dwelling weaklings thought they could bargain with him, blackmail him even, into lending them some of his power. Silly, itchy creatures, always looking for something they couldn't have. The Skydra sniffed, and twisted his heads over in annoyance. But the smoke signals kept coming. Then came the words, trails of moonlight dissolving in the dark. You will help us. Well, this is quite weird. And we potentially have more than one kind of monster at work. The obvious one being in its cave, being summoned against its own will. Then we have the Caterpillar Man, a shady character, difficult to pin down. Is he an agent of the property developers? More than ostensibly so. But if so, whose side is he really on? Since after badgering Clarice with all these questions and intimidating her, he's apparently offering her a way out. What is he really up to? 
and Clarice herself, who has powers she never dreamed of. Fury that turns into smoke, that can conjure and call up monsters. Lots to explore here. Give it a go, maybe? I might. Why do we like monster stories so much? I think there's a lot that's been written about this and mainly I think that when life stresses way more heavily on us, we need catharsis. We need to imagine slaying the monster, gathering those feelings of anxiety and fear together in one tight ball and then projecting them onto a single metaphorical beast and imagining just obliterating that source of stress from our lives through the slaying of the beast. But before I get too deep, I have a short, slightly cheesy poem for you to lighten the mood, to lighten the mood uh, before we part ways today. Remember, remember the 5th of November when Portals and Immortals is out. Brainstorium Games made these fantasy prompts that these magical tales are about. Short and cheesy, I did warn you. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's show and that this has given you some time out from so-called ordinary life and the stresses that come that come with all of that. Um, if you have a chance, please do visit anatizard.com and just take a look at Emily's amazing design for Portals and Immortals on the page for the Book of Exquisite Corpse. It really is stunning and worth a look. And if you feel like joining in with the story games, please send me some words on the play page. You never know what you may start. Until next time, go forth and be inspired. I hope you enjoyed today's Brainstorium. You can find out more about Exquisite Corpse and my series, The Book of Exquisite Corpse, at anatizard.com. Subscribe to my e-newsletter and you'll get volume one for free. And while you're there, why not submit a few words to the Socks of Destiny on my play page? You may inspire me or inspire yourself to write a unique new story. See you next time.